You've created your business and now it's time to protect it. Whether it's your podcast, speaking engagements that you do virtually or live on in-person stages or the community that you've built, you want to make sure that what you've created is taken care of and well protected. This is where AWB contract templates come in. They're customizable, quick and easy to complete and cost a fraction of working with a lawyer one-on-one. They have tons of options available so you can choose the ideal one for your business needs. It's an instant download. You get a Word doc template, you fill in the blanks and in about 20 minutes, you're all done. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash contracts today to pick out your new business contracts. And when you check out, be sure to use the code PLAY for 20% off your contract purchase. That's P-L-A-Y in all caps for 20% off. Protect your business with AWB contract templates. This episode is brought to you by Dubsado. Dubsado is a business management solution designed to cut out the busy work. With Dubsado, you are able to build relationships, schedule appointments, and create workflows to streamline your projects from start to finish. One of my favorite things about Dubsado is you're able to get more done with fewer tabs. You're able to correspond with your clients through emails, forms, contracts, and invoices, all from your own email address in one hub. You're able to create custom workflows to send emails and complete tasks that you don't have to. And they have really great integration, allowing you to easily connect your email, calendar, and payment processor to keep everything in one place. We use Dubsado at Font Your Fire for communication with our clients, automation, invoices, contracts, forms, payments, all of it. We love it. And if you are listening to this and you're interested in giving Dubsado a try, feel free to check out our show notes for the link or you can go to dubsado.com and enter code India. Dubsado is giving you 20% off of your first month or your first year for being a part of the Flaunt Your Fire community. Welcome back to the Font Your Fire show, where we explore what it means to be marketed and branded in a way that unapologetically flaunts the fire that fuels your business. Here we say goodbye to stereotypes and societal boxes as you begin to attract the right people, your people. This is where you and your team get to be yourselves at some point in person again, and for now online, as you serve the people that light your fire. I am your host and CEO of Font Your Fire Marketing, India Jackson, and I am finding myself in a very interesting place. Um, We are still quarantined from coronavirus. It's completely changed the way that so many of my clients and myself are doing business. Um, I feel like it is the 900th day of March, and yet we are in April. I can't even explain that one. And it's starting to feel a bit like Groundhog's Day. So I believe in just being honest and upfront with you and 
I found myself really struggling to find a title for this podcast episode. First of all, my guest is absolutely amazing. It's my friend, Dr. Donnie Jackson, and we've known each other for at least 15 years. I've known him since I was probably about 18 years old. He knew me long before photography and any of the cool things that you know of me today. And there's just an incredible conversation that we dive in here. So you definitely want to stay tuned and listen through the end. Um, We touch on so many things. It's a bit longer of an episode than you're used to from me, but it just goes into so much value. Um, One of the values, speaking of that, that we have here, if you haven't noticed already, is that we truly do believe that visibility is a two-way street. And what I mean by that is that part of visibility is seeing others being able to see you. But you have to be able to see others as well. It goes both ways. And what I mean by that is that when you are able to see other people clearly, they are able to see themselves in you and in your content. That old saying, your vibe attracts your tribe, right? And when you can see how amazing what makes you unique is and own that, others will be able to fully see you too. So it really is this back and forth dance between how well you're able to press pause, take the time and the effort to listen, to have empathy, and to see the people who have said that they want to follow you on social media or who've said that they're willing to get on a call with you to get to know you better and really give them your undivided attention and see them for who they are without judgment, without shame, without guilt. And when you can do that, A, it provides so much insight, but B, they're able to see you too. And you're able to mirror certain things back to them. And this really begins to build this two-way street that is one of the most important foundations for marketing in the way that we do marketing here at Flaunt Your Fire. And so... I originally planned to talk to Donnie about his book, um, and yet Donnie is just like a wealth of value. He comes from a clinical psychology background. He's been in television. He's a multiple Emmy winner. He's just an incredible human on top of all of that. And he has been in the process of his launch for his book, a poetry book. And so as you're listening into this episode, you know, you're going to hear a little bit more about how he feels like listening is one of the most important things that we can do. And that listening allows us to have empathy. And empathy and listening combined allow you to be a better storyteller. It allows you to show up on a podcast episode and really reach the heart of your host listeners because you know exactly, you've taken the time to see exactly who their community is and what they care about. It allows you, if you are a content creator, to be able to, for example, write articles that really highlight the heart of a business or the heart of who someone is. These are important skills. And then he throws in a couple of extra gems where he's going to dive into gender dynamics through a poem that he wrote that I really enjoy, as well as going into talking about... uh, just the, the process for him of what he has felt like has helped him fought his fire, which is really the willingness to fail out loud, to fail spectacularly. Okay, so if you're listening to this and you're like, tell me more. 
Let me tell you about Donnie. Dr. Donnie Jackson is a veteran poet, a clinical psychologist, and a multi-Emmy-winning producer of documentary television. You've probably seen some of his work. His debut collection of poetry, titled Boy, was published in February 2020. And I'm just really excited to see him putting himself out there in new ways. As I said, I've known Donnie for a long time. And little secret is you have to flip to the back because the image created for um, his bio, we actually photographed a few years ago. It's kind of a fun thing to do. Anyway, if you are someone who is looking to dive a little bit more into what it feels like to experience some of these headlines that you've seen on the news, if you are someone who is interested in social justice, if you are someone who cares about lives, human lives mattering, his book is for you. He's diving into some of these topics in a way that I've never seen before, in a way that really allow you to feel the experience, that really allow you to think differently. Okay, I'm going to stop talking and get the show on the road because you don't want to miss this episode. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Donnie. It's great to be here. I'm just so excited that we finally got you here. I know that we've known each other for a super, super long time. And poetry, especially a poetry book, has been on your radar for pretty much all of it. Um, so I think it'd be cool to dive into you know, how you landed on poetry. I, you could tell me, like, how did you first get into writing poetry? I've been writing poetry since I was eight. Um, I was a shy kid, so words were a haven for me. And I had a teacher who encouraged that when I was uh, eight years old. I wrote a poem about Abraham Lincoln, of all things, and uh, <laughs> she entered it into a citywide contest, and, and I won a prize. So uh, I was encouraged right away to, uh, to kind of dive into the, word, the world of, of words, and uh, it was kind of a fun but strange reward. But then I just kind of continued after that, uh, uh, being fascinated by reading and uh, the puzzle of of how to move people by words. Um, so I started working at it more when I was in high school, and continued uh, through college to, you know, write for the the school newspaper, you know, submitting poems, etc., and um, just continuing to kind of work at the craft of it. I love it. I love it. So um, my listeners may not know, but you also have a background in clinical psychology. Um, have you found that that supported your poetry at all? It's kind of a weird parallel. I think my interest in writing and my interest in psychology come from the same root, which is trying to figure out how people tick and, and illuminate that in some way. I got into it as a writer before I got into it, uh, you know, in psychology, which I didn't develop an interest in specifically until until high school. But uh, I think the continuing uh, curiosity about how people tick uh, with being a clinical psychologist has certainly uh, supported the way I write. It allows me to be 
curious about people and, and reverent for their their differences and I think tolerant of of certain extremes. And so in, in that way, yeah, I think psychology supports my writing, but they both come from the the same um, uh, origins. Interesting, interesting. So you said what makes people tick. What do you find most fascinating about that? There, there are a couple like things. Any... Oh, oh, sorry. Repeat that. <laughs> no, I was going to say, is there any like particular area of psychology or just human behavior that interests you the most? Well, one of the things that continues to fascinate me is our desire to be connected to each other in some way. And this is obviously a time when we're trying to figure out how to do that best uh, under the, the shadow of of a national or a global health crisis, but even uh, absent things like that, we do find ways to connect with each other. And that's an enduring thing, even for people who consider themselves introverts. So I'm, I'm fascinated by that and all the ways that people manage to do it. The, the self-preservation through uh, connectedness. Mm. Yeah, we had a guest on um, previously that was talking about how uh, community is like hardwired in our DNA and that it's something that if you look back at caveman days, you know, we're required to have in order to survive and thrive because you can't, it's a lot harder to get food and water without community back in those days. Um, and I know that you've entered the world of the poetry community and you've seen and heard just so much. What do you feel like is the glue that kind of pulls people in this community together? It's a great question. Uh, what I like most about being in the community is seeing how important and how uh, central story is, telling one story. Uh, one of the things I think that is is hardwired about human beings outside of of uh, the the other mammals, you know, in the in the universe is, is that we we like stories. Stories help ground us. They help uh, uh, comfort us. They they help uh, give us something to to strive for. So being in the community of of poets and and people who like listening to poetry, story is is the is is that glue is is that that central uh, tenant that that people seem to, to to gravitate to, and for me, you know, and, and I don't perform every week, but I perform a lot um, uh, in in the course of a given month. But I listen to a lot of poems. You know, I listen to dozens of poems live every week, and listening to people tell their story, whatever it happens to be, is is uh, is is comforting to know that everybody. A has a story, and B, uh, hearing the diversity of those stories, uh, paradoxically shows the universality of what we all go through. So, the more specific your story is, the more it's going to connect to some kind of human uh, element that uh, most of us can relate to. Yeah, I can totally see that, and. I'm wondering if you see some parallels between that and the other side of your profession, which is documentary television and production. Yeah, what I get a chance to do as a as an executive producer, as a showrunner, is help people tell their stories. And 
we do that in a way that is is kind of organized for for television, but it still comes down to the same uh, set of elements. People want to be understood. Everybody wants to be understood, whether they uh, say that explicitly or even whether they're uh, aware of it or not. Everybody does want to be understood, and so working in a in a medium where my job, literally, my job is is to listen. And, uh, and sometimes I'm listening with a whole production of people uh, with, with cameras. Uh, mm-hmm. But the, 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 the simplistic part of it is that I'm still there to listen, to, uh, to absorb somebody else's story. So um, what I do in television isn't, isn't wholly different from what I try to do as an individual, because I think, again, everybody wants to be listened to. And my stance as, a, as an individual is to listen more than I speak. And uh, TV allows me to do that in a, in a grand sweeping way, um, you know, where the shows that I've, I've, uh, I've, I've worked on, you know, more people see them than I'm ever going to have conversations with, obviously. And, um, you know, being able to touch people's lives in that way to show the, the art of and result of listening, I think is a, is is a is a benefit to 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 what I do and makes me feel uh, proud of being able to work in that way in uh, in the creative arts. I love it. So speaking of the art of listening, um are there any particular like small bits of advice that you could give someone to be a better listener when they're working with clients or they're looking to help someone tell their story? Oh, this this is one of my favorite things, India. I'm, I'm glad you asked me that because uh, I've had people ask uh, about that before, whether it be how to be a better guest at a party or or, or how to be a better interviewer in television or uh, in their, in working with, with clients in some other kind of uh, entrepreneurial way. Um, and and it's it's actually a, a really simple thing, and, and sadly, we don't really get taught this uh, consistently in schools, and sometimes not even in our uh, in our home lives. It's not always something that's a skill that's kind of targeted as as a as a vital and, and important thing to teach people. But one of the things this is a trick for everybody uh, is getting people to talk about themselves is is the is the beginning of it because most people again, do want to be understood and listening is at, uh, you know, at a deficit in, in most people's uh, relationships, whether it be uh, work or, or, or home. Um, and so if you can get people to talk about themselves, you're doing a couple of things. You're, first of all, getting out of the way um, and not filling the space with your own ideas and, and voice, but you're also letting somebody know that what they have to say is interesting. And so you're letting them know, I'm curious about you, that you have something to teach me. Uh, you know something that I don't. And making people feel expert is uh, is a gift that you can give people. Uh, I'm telling you, as I listen to you, you're teaching me. This is something that I don't know about. Yes, I know in some cases, if you're a lawyer, you're not asking questions that you don't know the answer to. But that's one of those rare situations um, in, in, in the court of, of law uh, where, where it kind of differs from the average uh, interaction. So being able to let people know 
yes, I am, I am interested in your story, whatever it happens to be, is, uh, I think, uh, the beginning, asking people about themselves. That sounds so simple, but yet I can see how that would be easily forgotten. <laughs> yeah, it often gets lost in the conversation because people are waiting to, to say their next thing and to be clever and to, and to show that they're smart too. And, and I think removing, removing ego from the, from the dance of it is, is, is part of what makes people better listeners than, than others to be able to say, look, if I'm listening very carefully and your story is the most important thing uh, in this exchange right now, I'm going to know what to say next. I don't have to have a, a question queued up. Uh, and again, in interview situations, it's different because you're, you're, you're time limited and there's a certain kind of agenda that that you have. But you know, at a cocktail party, uh, that's not necessarily true. And, um, and even when you're first developing a rapport with your clients, that's not always true. Um, if you jump right in, with with business without talking about the the human stuff, uh, it, it can be it can be a little cold, um, and not just cold. More practically, it can be kind of absent of all those elements that would help you help them. Yeah, I can agree with that. So, if you had to give two more quick tips about being a better listener, what would they be? Two more quick tips about being a better listener. Uh, one, mm -hmm. let people know that you're listening by reflecting a little bit of what they're saying back to them. It doesn't have to be so on the nose where you're repeating word for word what they're saying, uh, but you're just kind of checking in to let them know that you're you're kind of paraphrasing, you know, where they're at. So it sounds like what you're saying is this or what I get from that is this, or am I on the right track to understand it this way? And so you're letting them know that, uh, A, you're listening and you're, uh, you know, focused on them. But the other part of it is that you are letting them know that you want this to be a, a really refined uh, exchange, that you're not just letting them uh, wash over you, that you really want to make sure that you get it. So I think that that level of of, of reflectivity is is really really helpful. Um, the I think the other part is to um, is to kind of reside in 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 a sense of um, uh, curiosity, uh, uh, infinite curiosity. That is, uh, whatever they're talking about is is something that you 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 didn't have before. This particular person, even if they're talking about something that you're you're uh, vastly familiar with in the, in the business world. Um, um, you don't know it from their point of view. So that level of curiosity of, of about them as a, as a prism through which these things refract, uh, I, I think is, is a gift that you can give people their, their specificity. Um, because yes, you know, if you're, if you're working in business, you're, you're rarely working on a you know, particular product or, or service that no one's ever heard of before. It's, it's related to something yeah. that, that, that went before, right? So, um, but letting people know that there's something special about them, that, that level of, of, of curiosity about like, how did you get into this particular thing? What is special about how your story unfolds in this uh, arena? I believe that those are, those are some things that can help people feel special and more likely to tell you the truth 
which is what you want ultimately. You don't want them to just tell you a story. You want them to tell you the truth. Mm. So if I am listening to this and I'm like, okay, I understand I need to be a better listener. You gave me some tips on how. How do you then take or begin to even take um, what you've heard and what that person has shared with you, the real story, the truth, and formulate that into a story that is captivating, that can keep people's attention. Yeah, that's a complicated scenario because you're you're doing a, a series of things. It's 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 pretty layered, um, but that's part of what makes it useful and what makes it work for you. Starting from the premise that everybody wants to be listened to. And so now you are providing a service right away because you're, you're presuming that even if no one's ever told you that, and even if somebody seems to be really private um, and, and closed off, just presume that they want to be understood. And there's lots of ways to kind of crack the code of that over, over time. Um, but presume that you have and, and that they've, they've told you the truth and that now you, you do have a, a body of information uh, about them. I think one of the things, and again, not trying to be an oracle about it, I think there are, there are many ways to, to get at these things. But what I think people often respond to is the, the customizing, the boutique of it, um, rather than the, the boilerplate. You're just kind of plugging them into a preconceived way of doing things. I think when, when, when people feel like you're, you're uh, haute couture and you're, you're tailoring this, this particular garment of, of, of marketing to them, they're going to they're be more engaged. They're going to be more of an owner-operator in, in the process. They're going to be more cooperative with you because they feel like they're a part of, of this particular campaign or this particular strategy. If they feel like it's, it's kind of... Uh, you know, it's kind of modal where you can just kind of plug anybody into the same model and, you know, get a particular outcome. Yeah, that 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 still may work, but they're not going to feel as engaged and they're not going to feel as uh, uh, cooperative to to that particular plan. So that that would be my piece of advice uh, to to tailor the garment to them. Yeah, I can agree with that completely. Um, which is, it's interesting you use the word preconceived notions because it's one that we use here very often is kind of letting those go by the wayside in what you're doing as well. I think that from what I've known of you over the years, you have an incredible talent of taking stories and things that have happened in the news and specifically in some of the stories that you're telling in your poetry boy um, and just kind of refining that and bringing it back in such a beautiful and compelling way. Um, what inspired you to create your latest poetry book? Well, thanks. First of all, I appreciate that assessment of, of what I tried to do. And it is what the book is um, pointed at. Uh, I've, I've, I write a lot of stuff and, 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 you know, literally thousands of, of poems to choose from. So uh, the hardest part of, of creating this particular book was figuring out what not to put in it. 
and kind of, <laughs> you know, hold on, let's pause yeah. on that. That's a thing because I see that with a lot of creators and, you know, as a friend of mine, I've also seen it with you that you can chug out so much content, so much poetry. I'm always fascinated about how you're able to write so many pieces in such a short time. And then I also see this with clients that have tangible products are always coming out with new products. And it's one of those things of like, how do you even begin to curate that down into a cohesive concept? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it, that was the challenge of it. I mean, I started thinking about this book, you know, at, at least three years ago. And, uh, and I kept promising that it would be out, you know, that year or the next year or the next year. And at some point, I just <laughs> had to commit and, you know, kind of kind of use the same level of promise that gets me to post a, a new poem every week, which I've been doing for years. I post a brand new poem. Um, I write a, a brand new poem every week and post it on social media. And I've been doing that for for several years now. And uh, just fascinating in itself. <laughs> well, thanks. Uh, I mean, and I, and I hope, you know, that, that people can respond to the work, not just in terms of volume, but, you know, in, in terms of content. But 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 part of that, uh, the, the core of that, really, the, the nucleus of it really is keeping a promise to myself. Um, like nobody's asking for these poems. I mean, literally nobody's asking for these poems. Uh, the <laughs> promise uh, that that I've made is that I will do it. And uh, and so I do. And the the goal is certainly to to make them them good and, and um, uh, uh, special uh, and, and not just be you know, not just crank out stuff. Um, and so, you know, because I've had, you know, years of, of doing things uh, like this, it, it was a lot to try to consider, okay, so now what, you know, if the book is not going to be, you know, the size of an encyclopedia, if anybody listening knows what that is, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but, you know, how do, how do, how do I curate, uh, you know, from, from a body of work to, to make it something that people will uh, respond to? And so, the goal then was to focus on uh, some of the things that you mentioned, kind of the the headlines of it, the things that are happening in the world, and and look at the um, the social justice of it, or the challenges that that we face uh, in America or or across the globe, and focus on illuminating some of those. And I, I certainly don't claim to have the answers in any of the. Jeez, 55 poems that are in the book. Uh, none of those poems are saying, this is what you're supposed to do now. Um, it really kind of poses the, the question of, here's, here's what I see. And, I, and, and there's lots of ways to, to show people what, what I'm seeing, either from my point of view, you know, in the first person or taking the persona of somebody who's, who's gone through a particular th thing. So I'm, I'm, the, the poem is basically written in character. And so there's, there's lots of ways to kind of get at uh, what the circumstance is, but to, to, to kind of pull the curtain back from that particular circumstance and say, this is, this is what I see. And, and, and this is a way of, of seeing it that you might not have thought of. And I hope that it, it moves you in some way. The goal always with art is to persuade people, is to move the needle, is to, is to get them to feel or think something they didn't think or feel before. Even if it's a, a familiar subject like love or war, you're still trying to get them to think about it in a way that is is fresh, and maybe they can they can bring their own solutions to the problem uh, with their particular insight. 
And I'll say from my perspective uh, that I feel like some of the pieces that you have, it's like, okay, I think I might know what situation this was about in the news. And it hit me one way hearing it third party from a friend who watches the news all the time and told me that it was a completely different experience to read your poetry that comes from such a place of empathy and really putting yourself inside the situation emotionally that just lands in a way that the news cannot. Well, I appreciate that. And I hope people do have that experience with the book. Um, It's called Boy uh, because it's based on a poem in the book called Boy, which is uh, dedicated to and about uh, Tamir Rice, the 12-year-old who was shot uh, by a police officer. And a number of the poems are about very specific people who have uh, suffered a particular thing. And where it's not in the title, because sometimes it is in the title, uh, I do have kind of a subtitle saying that it's about, um, you know, Terrence Crutcher or, um, uh, you know, Tamika Washington or, or whomever. Um, and, and so... So people do have a sense of this is this is this is what the the, the subject of the, of the poem is. Some of the poems are about kind of generic things that that happen when. And when I say generic, I don't mean to to water them down, but I mean that they don't necessarily have a specific uh, marker uh, because they've happened so often. So I'm not always writing about a specific, uh, let's say, a black boy who's been shot by you know law enforcement. Uh, officer uh, but I'm writing about the, the 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 generality of that but in a in an emotionally specific way because uh, yeah. I think I think being emotionally specific is is what gets people to to change their minds or change their hearts or, or feel supported in what they already do believe yeah I mean that's a whole nother subject of like I mean which black boy that's been shot there's been so many that's a whole nother conversation with you in itself. Yeah. And it's, um, it's, it's tough. I mean, and, and you know, one of the poems in the book is, is about being exhausted by that circumstance, uh, actually just being tired of writing about that thing. I'd, I'd like not to ever write about it again, yeah. but, uh, you know, as long as it's, as long as it's happening, it's, it's hard not to, to have some kind of commentary about it as a, as an artist. One of the poems that you had that really stood out to me, um, I believe is called The Only Reason Men Kill Women. And it's a slightly different subject matter. What inspired you to write that? You know, women are more than half the world. And it's easy to forget that, I think, you know, based on how we look at things in the media or look at who's running stuff um, in, in, in business or uh, in other aspects of of, uh, of the world, but uh, the truth is women outnumber men, and that's almost always true you know, globally. And, um, but there's a, there's, a, there's, a level, there's a level of suffering that men, men um, uh, heap upon women that is, is, is also in, enduring. And the, uh, I, I guess I, I wanted to get at some of the, the, the why of that Again, not having uh, an exact answer. I write because I don't have answers. I, I write because I'm still trying to figure it out myself. And and when I don't yeah. know what to do, I write stuff. 
and uh, <laughs> and so even though the, the you know the poem that you mentioned, uh, which is entitled "This is the only reason men kill women," sounds definitive. It sounds like uh, I have an answer. It is it is meant to to provoke the 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 question of why 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 do men uh, uh, kill women and kill can be in quotation marks uh, it it can be literal but it could also uh, be about suppressing uh, women or, or or abusing women or ignoring women you know there's there's lots of ways to to kill uh, a spirit um, and so with that when I wanted to get at the I guess the 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 what I what I feel is like the essence of it, you know, um, of of our uh, in look, looking at it, you know, as a man, our 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 envy, our jealousy of of the the gifts that that women have that that we're uncomfortable with. Interesting. So, I know that the listeners have not heard this poem. Would you mind giving them some context? Would you feel comfortable reading that here on the podcast? Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll be happy to read it. So this is a poem from the book Boy, the poetry book, and the title again is "This is the only reason men kill women." The warmth of blood outside of our body scares us, as it is a possibility of dying, not a reminder of the possibility of creating life. The flow, too, being unpredictable in its stop, and therefore we resent her countdown when she is no longer bleeding, or when she is likely by moon count to bleed again, because when we scarlet, it is wound, because villain or because accident, which is really because secret villain, we are not taught to be opened, and we can't forecast its start or finish, which betrays why we don't trust her red reminding us so of end instead of begin. We of strangulation then by grip or by tongue or by gavel want halt because we are in tremble, constant tremble of her as a river and ourselves as boys who never learn to swim. Powerful. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for allowing me to share it with your listeners. Ah, I love it. There's so, so many layers to that one that it just really grabbed me, A, as being a woman, um, but B, there's just a lot, a lot of layers. <laughs> well, no, I'm, I'm glad it feels that way. I mean, you mentioned um, empathy earlier, and it is one of the things that I'm trying to achieve when when I'm writing about stuff that um, is is outside of me, I am I am trying to empathize with um, what it's like to be that other person, and I think that is something that listening, circling back to that, it's something that listening can give you. It can give you the entree to to empathy, and it's really hard to achieve empathy without listening. And listening doesn't have to be necessarily like a one to one. Uh, uh, interaction or, or conversation, but you're you're still again absorbing somebody else's story and getting out of the way of it, and being able to do that allows you at least the opportunity to connect with their point of view, and that's really the definition of empathy. 
Yeah. And I think that your level of being able to have empathy for others really shows in all of the work that you do. I know um, your Instagram account is highlighting so many other artists and writers and creatives. And even then, in the way that you describe them, you can feel... I don't know. You have a way of doing it that isn't just like, check out this person. They're awesome. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's really um, a deeper way of communicating with people. Well, thank you. I'm I'm hoping to to use social media in in that way. And, and, you know, I hope people will will, you know, check it out. You know, just Dr. Donnie on on Instagram, um, doctor spelled out. um, So Dr. Donnie as, as one word. And you know, really, the goal is to illuminate other people. I'm, I'm not. I'm not interested in showing a lot of pictures of myself, just because you know it's a, that's a longer story. But um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't really enjoy that part of, of of social media. So I think it's an opportunity to uh, show off other folks, you know, uh, uh, around the world and uh, and across, um, you know, gender expression or age or or, or you know race or ethnicity, and. Um, you know, back to what we were talking about earlier, um, these are many stories. Uh, people, I, I try to pull quotes from the folks that I that I highlight every day, um, and let them tell their own story. So usually, they're almost ninety nine point nine percent of the time. I don't I don't post anybody's picture unless I can find you know uh, a quote from them that I think people will uh, lean into, and that that's a mini story. Somebody basically, you know talking about their opinion or their experience or their their goals um that's that's a story and so every day i'm trying to highlight somebody else's story and then once a week you know that story happens to be me as the storyteller you know where i post a poem once a week but the other the other six days it's somebody else generally so i just know the tip of the iceberg about your life I'm very curious to know if you foresee yourself fully telling your story someday. That's a great question. You know, I, I don't know. I, think, I know. <laughs> I, think, I surprised you with that one. <laughs> yeah, you did. I didn't see that coming. Um, I think I, I I think it'll 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 unfold in in increments through through my through my work as a, as a poet where you you could probably assemble a, a, a point of view, but it's not necessarily explicit. I think what you're asking about is, is more, you know, something along the lines of a, of a memoir or, or autobiography. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if my life's interesting enough in that linear way for, you know, for people to, to kind of buy into. So, um, I mean, I, 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 I've had fleeting thoughts about it and uh, I ghost wrote uh, somebody else's autobiography years ago. And, uh, and so I got a chance to think about that process at least. And as, as I was doing, it, I was like, Hey, I'll never do this. This is, this is so much exposure. I don't know if I, <laughs> I don't know if I, I want or, <laughs> or need that. Uh, so I, I, the, the honest, the honest answer is I have to really think about whether my story as it, as it has arced is, is interesting enough in that traditional way to, to, to tell it as a as an autobiography or or a memoir. In the meantime, uh, I, I certainly will offer these poems as uh, as glimpses of, of who I am. Hmm. 
I'm going to challenge that and say that I find it incredibly interesting. I can't think of anyone else that does poetry, has a book out, has done clinical psychology, has taught, and is an Emmy-winning producer, like (laughs) all in one body. Yes. (laughs) That's fascinating in itself. And context for the listeners, you're a black man in America. Can we just add that on there for a second? Yeah, that's that's a thing, you know, and and I don't... the world doesn't allow me to to back away from it, and and I I embrace it as as uh, as as a gift I've I've been given. Although it certainly has been, you know, a challenge, you know, over the over the years, and and frankly, on any given day, it's a challenge. Um, but uh, but I embrace it, and I, and I love the fact that it's true. But yeah, it does it does place me in a very uh, uh, unicorn type of situation where. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm the only one of, of, of my type in that regard. Yeah. So I know that I asked you before we recorded today, what is one thing that has helped you flaunt your fire? And you said a willingness to fail spectacularly. Could you give me a, an idea or some insight into how that's shown up for you? Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to try to talk about this without sounding terribly arrogant so uh, you know that's that's the risk I take in talking about myself at all I guess or anybody talking about themselves is that you know when you're focusing on yourself there's there's the possibility that you just sound like a moron you just sound like uh, you know a self-centered you know idiot (laughs) hey this is the place to flaunt your fire I'm just saying fair enough Uh, (laughs) and and yeah I I appreciate you inviting me to do it um uh this part of it is is still it's still a little Weird, but but I but I'm glad you asked the, the question uh, before, and 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 that answer is important to me, uh, and and because there are, there are things that I've I've worked really hard at, um, you know, be it um, you know my my writing or um, the 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 degree I have or the kind of work that I do in in entertainment, um, you know, I've, I've I've gotten good at some things, and. Um, not as good as I want to be in any of those things. I'm always an eternal student in in that regard. But in order to not be complacent and not take myself too seriously and not, you know, get a big head about stuff, I I, I like choosing things where I could fail spectacularly, <laughs> where it could just be a crash and burn and just a mess. And uh, I need that level of of challenge, of fear, of, of, of unknown in order for me, I think, to be my best self, to kind of bring my best self to it. Um, because mm-hmm. if I keep doing all the things that I know I can do, you know, I can just kind of coast on, on those laurels and coast on those things where, yeah, I, I got this, you know, but, but I don't want to plateau. I, I want to continue to, to evolve. And, and the only way we evolve, the only way we evolve is to be, faced with something that we couldn't do before. And so, because there's no other reason to, to develop a skill if you already knew how to do it. Um, and so when you're challenged with something that you've never seen before, then you have to do something that you've never done before. And so yeah. I'm, I'm willing to, I'm willing to fail at that stuff. And, and, and it's not, it's not a consequence that, that I worry about in terms of, Oh, I'm going to feel terrible about myself or, it, it means that I'm a failure as a human being. Like, I'm not worried about that. That's, that's I guess, where the arrogance comes in. I'm not, I'm not worried about feeling like 
a failure as a as a human. I, I can absolutely fail at a at an endeavor though, whether it be you know doing a one man show, which I did a few years ago, and I'd never done that before, and that you know that could have been horrible, uh, or 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 writing a book or being on stage for three minutes at a time with a a, a poem that I've never done before. Um, but I, but I, I want to fail out loud. I, I want that to be a circumstance where I'm going to learn from it because it, it, it's all there. Like everything was left on on the stage or the table or the mic or or whatever it happened to be. <laughs> uh, I wasn't trying to uh, cheat my way through it and kind of sneak into a situation. No, if I'm if I'm going to learn something, then I, I want to be I want to be bold in in the attempt. I love your answer and your, there's so many layers. I'm going to encourage anybody listening to go back and replay from the moment I asked that question, because I hear so many different pieces that goes into not just failing spectacularly, but doing things that scare you, recognizing that what you did to get to where you are isn't what you can continue to do to get to where you want to be. There's just, there's so much to your answer. <laughs> yeah. And you, it. and, and I appreciate that. And and you know this as you know this as a bodybuilder. If you if you keep at the same level of weight or or repetition, you're going to plateau. There's that's there's only so far you can get with that. And yes. and and I think that's true in everything else. Um, there's only so much that you can get out of doing the same exact thing. And there's a value to it. You get you get good at it. You get you know in in the bodybuilding. Uh, metaphor of it, you get definition, you know, from it, you know, um, but but at some point, if you're trying to get, uh, you know, uh, you know, bigger in your in your in your spirit or in your skill, you're going to have to try something new, and uh, and and be willing to 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 deal with the, the the pain of that because it it was new and you weren't good at it right away. And um, hey, this is this is why I don't ski because the first time I tried skiing. I was terrible at it and, and I never tried it again, you know? So I wasn't, I wasn't willing to fail spectacularly in skiing. And I don't think anybody misses that. I certainly don't. I don't like the cold or, uh, or falling. So, uh, so that was an area where I just, I, I literally gave up cause I wasn't good at it right away, but there were other things that I want to be good at. Uh, I want to be a good performer. I want to be a good writer. I want to be a good, uh, producer, you know, uh, I want to be a good listener. So, uh, I have to, you, you gotta, you gotta try stuff that, that could go badly, could go not your way, but you know, the, I, I the, 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 the summary statement about that is a, an expression that I didn't, I didn't create, but it's, it's a helpful motto. Um, experience is what you get when you don't get what you want. And so, yeah, yeah so it's not, it's, it's not a matter of, Failure completely uh, sucking the life out of you. No failure. If if you're paying attention, taught you something. Do it this way and not that way. Do it sooner. Do it later. Do it differently. Um, if if it's just if it's just a failure that's unreflected upon, then it's a waste of time. Yeah, you're definitely reminding me of just so many. <laughs> So many lessons that I've learned along the way through failing. There's there's some gems in, in failing spectacularly and just getting your hands in it and being fully in whatever it is you're trying to do. It teaches you so many lessons that reading a book or taking a class 
can help you with, but it's just not the same. <laughs> it's not the same. And the rewards aren't the same. The rewards when you don't fail spectacularly uh, are grand. You know, when you try something that could have gone horribly wrong, but didn't. And, and it actually ended up being uh, good in some way or, uh, or, or, or taught you something new or gave yeah. somebody uh, the, the gift of, of, of your attempt because now they're willing to try it and maybe they'll get it right where you, where you didn't. So that level of inspiration is still useful. Um, so it's not, it's not a total failure unless you don't pay attention to the results. I agree. So before every listener leaves, we like to think of one thing that the audience can do um, to kind of move themselves forward because we're definitely like noticing people procrastinate learning, meaning they're just binge listening to podcasts, but they're not actually going out and doing anything. So based on today's like very layered and complex and amazing conversation, what is one thing that you would tell our listeners to go do that would move them forward in their lives and businesses? That's a great question. Um, because I think it is, it is important to have a, have a takeaway, you know, when people have given the gift of their, their time to listen to, you know, our conversation or any, any conversation, it is nice to, to be able to take something away. So it wasn't just, um, it wasn't frivolous and, and, and there's nothing about you that that's frivolous. And I, I don't think of myself as such. So what, what one thing I would want people to take away from this is that you have the ability to get somebody else to tell their story in such a way that they will develop an ongoing relationship with you. Uh, whether that be in your intimate life or whether that be in your business life, um, your family life even, um, you have the ability to do that by by being a, a good listener and kind of starting that particular ball rolling. And I would encourage everybody to find an opportunity to do it. And this is this is a good time to do it. We're a lot of us, you know, on lockdown and, uh, you know, not necessarily – out there in, in, in large numbers, as we've been told not to be. And so this allows us to have some of these one-on-one -on -one conversations and to really focus on those conversations in such a way that we are giving the gift of our attention in order to get the person to tell their story so that we can find a way to use that, 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 that new, that new uh, plateau that we've reached to to kind of move forward in in whatever relationship that is, whether it be business uh, or or personal. Hope that made sense. I love it. That made complete sense because it's exactly the one piece of advice that I was going to give as well. So I think that this is the first time on the episode that we have the same piece of advice. <laughs> <laughs> Good, we're in sync. Find one person. I I know that hearing this can sound like a lot. Find one person and start today. Just listen to one person today. That's a that's a good lesson. I, I love I love concluding on that. Thank you so much for being here, Donnie. India, it's a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. <laughs> 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Flaunt Your Fire show. In the show notes, we will have all the links that you need to be able to keep in touch with Donnie Jackson and his amazing content. And if you're listening to this episode and you thought it was incredible, I have a really big favor to ask of you. If you could please head over to Apple Podcast and that little section all the way at the bottom where you can see the ratings and reviews, click on that and leave us a star rating and a review. We would really appreciate it. It makes all the difference in the world of getting this podcast in front of more people. And your feedback gives us ideas of what you want to hear more of here. Okay, now if you are already there and you're checking that section out, what you may notice is that we have a new podcast graphic. We have a new design for the podcast, or what I like to call it is podcast cover art. It reminds me of old school album artwork back when we used to have to buy CDs and cassette tapes. And I am so excited about it. Uh, it really was an experience of allowing my team to do their thing and no longer being the bottleneck of this rebrand here and <laughs> really just giving them full creative control to create what they thought embodied what they're hearing here on the podcast. And I would love to hear what you think of the new podcast graphic. And if you're finding yourself being like, oh my gosh, this is the bomb.com and I need my podcast cover art, or I know someone who needs their podcast cover art redone, please head over to the show notes and contact us, or you can visit flauntyourfire.com. My brand and design team absolutely love doing podcast cover art, and they would love to support you with making over and evolving yours. Thank you so much for listening to the episode and I will see you on the next one. Ready to get clear on what matters? Let's do this. From implicit to explicit as a framework, that helps you to get clear on what matters and how it informs the way you live and lead in your workplace. Whether it's focusing on the team building and connection that can happen when you talk about what matters to you as a person or how it informs the outcomes that you seek in your business, it can all completely change the game. Having clarity on what your values are and how this shapes the way your work creates the foundation for every action that you take and then sharing this information across your team explicitly. This is what creates confidence and integrity in what it is that you are creating and sharing with the world. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash explicit to learn more about this collaborative and interactive workshop and sign up today. Ready to lead through your values?